Himalaya. You're listening to Poetry in America, a Himalaya learning audio course. To listen to the rest of this course, go to Himalaya.com PIA and enter promo code PIA at checkout to get your first 14 days free. Welcome back to Poetry in America, a pod course that explores poetry as an art form and as a cultural force operating through history to reflect and shape American identity. I'm Elisa New. I'm a professor at Harvard and the director and host of the Poetry in America television series and of a series of online courses and educational materials used by teachers and students all over the country and the world. In this second episode of our pod course on poems of African-American protest, we're going to Harlem in Upper Manhattan to get our bearings and gain some context for what follows. African-American protest literature was already maturing by the time migration to Harlem began, but with the early 20th century ingathering in the northern city of New York, African-American poets began to realize something new, that flowing through them were the rich currents of one tradition, an American literature, a diasporic literature, a literature of belonging and exclusion, all these at once. What happened in Harlem was a collective awakening, one cutting across and connecting art to politics. Harlem today is a vibrant place, a dazzling, volatile place, a place that feeds hopes, the incubator of so much cultural fertility and political intelligence, its high brownstones and magnificent churches and palaces of art, declare it a capital to this day of cultural expressiveness. But it's also a place that has in its history stood for balked dreams, has been a shameful example of continuing racism and urban discrimination, and has served too as a platform of protest and critique. In the next few episodes, we'll be reading the works of two of the most iconic poets of the Harlem Renaissance, County Cullen and Langston Hughes. But before we do, I'm going to set the scene by inviting you to listen in on a few minutes of one of my classroom lectures on the literary culture of the 20th century. It's just a few minutes of lecture on the Harlem Renaissance, but I wrote it inspired by a day I spent in Harlem with the celebrated Black arts poet Sonia Sanchez. I met her in the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture. We'll talk with Sonia in a later episode, but for now, she's going to sing me into this lecture on Harlem. I woke up this morning with my eyes on Langston. I say woke up this morning with my eyes on Langston. Woke up this morning with my eyes on Langston. Gonna live, gonna love, gonna resist just like he did. And you can't ask your mom about that. Harlem draws its richness from the diversity of its newly arrived residents. 
rural folk from the tobacco or rice fields of the Carolinas bring entirely different rhythms and expectations than their urbanized cousins from New Orleans. Those arriving from along the Mississippi and Texas share little with those from Richmond or DC, and these mix with those arriving from the West Indies and those from African colonies who might not even share the inheritance of slavery or racism. It is this confluence of global influences and inheritances that Langston Hughes celebrates in his great poem, The Negro Speaks of Rivers. Make a trip to the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture on Malcolm X Boulevard in Harlem, and you can stand on a terrazzo mosaic representing that poem, under which, by the way, Hughes' ashes are buried. To walk those terrazzo rivers with Hughes's words in mind is to grasp just how capacious as well as concentrated was this place and the artistic movement named after it. This movement into which so many tributaries flow. The fact that Jamaican-born poet Claude McKay calls his wonderful best-selling novel Home to Harlem captures, ironically, Hughes's point. Harlem is a home you come to, not from. A new home, ever reminding you of your old. And as we've already begun to see, new places stir memories of old places, infusing the poetry of Harlem with a complex longing for what's left behind. This might take the form of diasporic longing, drives to peoplehood, pan-Africanism, or simple homesickness for the fruits and odors of home. I've been talking so far about the currents flowing into the Harlem Renaissance. One thing I also hope to make clear is how the living energies of the Harlem Renaissance have not yet spent themselves. We are still to this day harvesting its richness. I woke up this morning with my eyes on Langston. I say woke up this morning with my eyes on Langston. Woke up this morning with my eyes on Langston. Gonna live, gonna love, gonna resist just like he did. And you can't ask your mom about that. You got to do it yourself. Ask yourself, can I resist? Can I resist for Langston, for our children, for humankind? Woke up this morning with my eyes on Langston. I say woke up this morning with my eyes on Langston. Woke up this morning with my eyes on Langston. Gonna live, gonna love, gonna be just like him. Thank you for listening to this Poetry in America pod course. Please join me in our next episode when I speak to poet Sonia Sanchez about Langston Hughes's poem Harlem. And then, in the episode following, when I speak with President Bill Clinton and jazz pianist Herbie Hancock about this inexhaustible poem. For more information on other Poetry in America projects, like our PBS television series or our online Harvard courses for teachers or our high school offerings with Arizona State University, go to poetryinamerica.org. Thank you for listening.
Thank you for listening. All other episodes of Poetry in America are available only on the Himalaya Learning Platform. Himalaya Learning is an audio learning platform that provides pod courses from world-class thinkers and industry experts to fuel your personal and professional growth. To access exclusive content for this course and others like it, go to Himalaya.com PIA and enter promo code PIA at checkout for your first 14 days free.